Hi, this is Tom Rotolo, founder of CityQuake. Welcome to our podcast where we feature messages that will change your life. I believe that Christians around the world are way overfed with teaching and way underactivated. What do I mean by that? We don't put that teaching to practice in our everyday life and it actually makes us worse off. We know biblical truth, but it has not actually transformed our life. Well, I've chosen messages for these podcasts that will inspire you and challenge you to live out your identity as a believer filled with the Spirit of God. It's time to not just fill seats at church anymore. It's time to see our cities transformed for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be activated. Thank you. Hey, guys. Yay. Good to be here. Huh? All the way out here in Seattle. I'm a long way from home, so, and you got to keep up with me tonight, because I'm on that three-hour thing, so it's 11.17 right now. You got to keep up with me. <laughs> y'all, are y'all going to be all right? <laughs> all right, good. I always pull that on the West Coast folks when I come out. When I get a little late, I say, now, come on, it's only one in the morning to me, so. <laughs> y'all Good. With testimonies amazing? Isn't that fun? Just, uh, man, there was just some good things. The one gentleman, just stuff catches you, you know, certain, you just catch certain things. But he said, just making yourself available. I mean, that just spoke loud to me when he said that. But just the beauty of the testimonies, uh, I'm just excited. Listen, there's something got on my heart when I stepped up here and Tom started praying. I'm just going to probably fly with it and trust it's the Lord. Uh, But I want to share this right before I go there. Like, this has always been Christianity. Christianity has always been union with God. It's God in us, right? And through us. He wants to live in us, guys, and shine through us. I, I, I say this a lot when I travel and speak. And, I, and I, I would love to see us get a million miles away from just the only thing we think of is Him taking care of me, protecting me, and providing for me. It's, it, the Chris, that's, that's like boring. That's like <laughs> self-centered. Because if those things aren't happening on your list, then how things are going is how you are. Or how things aren't going is how you are. Paul said, man, there's a time I don't have enough. And there's times that I have plenty, but I don't change in any of those situations. Because the truth's the same. The calling's the same. The purpose is the same. So here's the bottom line. Like, like I want to say this with as, 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 as gentle and calm as I can, but with as much conviction. Like, we're on the earth to shine. We're on the earth to walk in the light as he's in the light. And, and thank God that he provides and protects and, 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 and all those good things. But that's not the goal of your Christianity. And in fact, if you read in, in Matthew 6, if you seek first his kingdom, like all that other stuff will fall in place. Like if you're thinking for the kingdom, you'll have everything necessary in your life. How are you doing, man? You good? Good to see you, front row. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Just, uh, he's one of the only ones I can see. It's dark past him. <laughs> Front row is shining like a light. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's really, really true. Uh, I grew up in church, like some of you, and, and I, I actually don't think I got saved till I was 33. It's interesting. I went to church pretty much of my life, till I was 20 anyway, and then I didn't go for a while. And then I got saved when I was 33. I got saved at work. Uh, I had enough invested in me, so those church years weren't for nothing. Seed gets in you. 
Holy Spirit makes a draw on it. And even if I didn't understand some things, there was a general revelation that could in me that I believe God pulled on and, and used. And, but I got saved one night at work where there wasn't a human being around. I was just at work in an aisle, and I had enough investment in me that God made a draw. And it was just pretty cool. So it was just fun because I went to work a certain way, and I came home absolutely changed. It's true. Like, I, I mean, changed. But it was things that I saw and understood. So, so when I got saved that night, and I want you to catch this, I, I didn't pray a prayer so I could go to heaven. I didn't pray a prayer so God would restore my marriage. I didn't pray a prayer for anything that he could do for me. I actually saw the person that I was. And I didn't want to live that way another day. Like I saw the motives in my heart. I saw what made me tick. I saw me just for me, for the first time I got real with that and I saw that because grace was on my life and I didn't want to be that man another day. So what I did at work that night, I gave myself to him. Not for what I could get from him, but so that I would never be that man again. And what I understood was that if I gave myself to him, then all that he is could start taking place in me. And then all of a sudden, he could start shining in me and living in me and loving through me. So I had to die to me so I could live to him, if that makes sense. So my motivation wasn't to go to heaven. My motivation wasn't so that he would bless me or fill my vats and barns or provide or protect. I wanted to become the man he created me to be. This is what was in my heart that night. It was way back, 95, 26 years ago in June. I wanted to become the man that he created me to be, that he paid for me to be, and I didn't honestly didn't want to be anything less. And I can tell you the last 26 years has been a pretty fun ride because I didn't have to live with that guy that died anymore. And my family had to get to know me, and most of them got scared and thought I got in a cot and was brainwashed. And it's just funny how your family reacts. Like, you're living in a way they can't tolerate, and then when you change, it's too much. <laughs> and then why does it have to be Jesus? <laughs> and why does it have to be that much Jesus? <laughs> why can't you just pray over your food? Why do you have to talk to him when you're alone? Like, <laughs> it's, like it's just funny because my, 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 my dad and my brother were scheming and planning how to come to this church I was going to because they wanted to rescue me. It's a true story. It's just because I was different. I changed so dramatic, and they thought something had to be wrong. And now my, my family's all saved. They all understand. They respect me. I mean, I mean, my, but, but I got people in my family like you do that are, you know, like parents, my mother-in-law, people that ask me what I think about stuff when they're challenged. They call and ask me, like my elders. And I'm like, this is really good. Like, if your mother-in-law asks you what you think, that's, that's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's beautiful. My mother-in-law's precious. She's 80. He, she loves me because I love her daughter. I mean, I love her daughter, and she sees that I love her daughter, and her daughter's safe, and she realizes her daughter's loved. And she understands it was Jesus that did that because it wasn't always that way. So see, what I, why, why you throw that stuff in there, Dan? Because your life makes an impact on people when you're living it in Christ. It's, it's never just about you being okay. It's never about your circumstances just being what you hope. Because sometimes your circumstances aren't even close to what you hope. 
but you'll learn that truth doesn't change. Your purpose doesn't change. Everybody around you can seem to be going haywire, and he's the same, and he's in you for the same reason as before they were going haywire. So why go haywire? Because they're going haywire. See, we've allowed so many things to decide who we are and how we are. That if we're not careful, we reduce Christianity to God just blessing me, taking care of me, and making life happen instead of transforming me so I can manifest him in the moment. And I really want to talk to you about that tonight a little bit. Is that okay? Because that's making yourself available. See, if you're so caught up with you and your stuff and you don't have faith wrapped around that, I'm not saying there's not real challenges. I'm not saying that if your spouse goes off the deep end for a season... Uh, that you don't have certain things you have to walk through. That We're not in denial here, but isn't there good answers in God? We, yeah. we, look, we don't let what somebody doesn't see become our vision. He's the light of the world. You don't let your go-through determine you and how you're doing and who you are. Jesus is Lord. You get what I'm saying? Come on, this isn't hype. This, isn't, this is real. We can live this. My wife, she went into identity crisis for about eight years after I got saved. When I became a pastor, it wasn't until then. Our marriage was like a fairy tale, and, 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 and it was amazing. And when I began to be pastor, she just got this one belief that people acknowledged her because she was my wife. People said hi to her because she was with me. That's a good way to throw away your identity and your value. And that's what she did. And I saw her changing and drawing back and introverting. And I tried to encourage her and tell her, and she just looked at me blank and stared and said, it wasn't a demonic possession, it was just a a wrong belief, one wrong belief that just went for it. And it lasted probably about eight years. She was just just reading a book the other day, a testimony book that Todd wrote, and and she was crying, and I said, the book's touching. She said, yeah, this isn't just a book. She said, and I didn't realize how much I wasn't around. She said, I wasn't even around, I don't even... I wasn't around, wow. And she was realizing just where she was at in that season because she was oblivious to all the stuff in that book. And the whole time she's my wife, who knows she's in need. She, she needs love. She doesn't need fussed at. She doesn't need me calling somebody saying, look, if God don't change my wife soon, I'm going to break down. I can only take so much, dude. Look, she needs Jesus. And he's in me. So now's not the time to have the right to be a frustrated or dismayed husband. Christ is in me. Are you with me? Come on, he's the hope of glory. But if I wake up to be loved by my wife, I'm in trouble. But if I wake up to be loved, then I'm okay. So if Jesus has worked this thing in me to where it's real, and all of a sudden I'm on the earth to be more like him, I'm on the earth to follow him. 1 John 2, if any man says he abides in him, he ought to walk even as he walked. Jesus himself said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. But if you let the state of your wife interfere with faith and purpose and destiny and motive, then you're not going to walk like Jesus walked. You're going to walk like a lonely or a frustrated husband. And then you're going to have a couple people that relate to where you're at because they have a story. And now the people that surround you and you call friends are the people that understand your pain, but they don't have an answer for freedom. Are you okay? That's why I'm aggressive and I'm passionate. I don't just have a theology. We go through life. We walk through this stuff. 26 years saved. So my wife was in a tough place. She doesn't even remember a lot of it. She read Todd's book. She's crying because she said, I wasn't here for most of this. She doesn't even relate to that season. It was such a challenging season for her. 
My wife's doing amazing, by the way. She's a great girl. She wasn't an evil lady that whole time. She was believing the wrong thing. Believing the wrong thing. Come on, if the sign follows a believer, if these signs follow those that believe, and you were the enemy, what would you try to scramble in a person's life? If everything throws, flows through believing, wouldn't you try to dictate what a person believes if you were an enemy? Wouldn't you try to create strongholds? Wouldn't you whisper stuff? Don't people just out of the blue get things, just radical things go through their mind out of the blue? You're not even thinking all of a sudden this weird, where did that come from? This stuff happens to everybody, man. It's like the number one way that the enemy comes is to try to play, get in your mind. So that's what happened to my wife. I'm thankful for the message. I'm thankful for how Holy Spirit raised me in my bedroom, seeking him and being with him. Please be with Jesus, guys. Don't just take this city quake vision and go out and just pray for the sick and not be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. You don't want to just let praying for the sick become your identity either. You don't want to let prophecy just become your identity. You want to let fellowship with God become who you are. Like you know him. Knowing him is eternal life. That's the way you'll stay clean in prophecy. That's the way you'll run to the finish line. And you'll never let anything take the place of knowing him. And everything will flow out of who he is in your life. And you won't have a twisted identity, a limping identity, a weak identity. You won't need affirmation. You won't need to feel good about yourself because you're amazing in Christ. It's just true. It's not a fairy tale. This isn't some kind of denial, just hype talk. I I just believe Jesus was okay when he walked the earth. (laughs) Except for the hurt that he had, the pain that he had for people. He wept because they had no shepherd. He didn't weep because they rejected him. He wept because they were lost. So he didn't cry because of them. He cried for them. And I started learning that when I started reading my Bible. I started realizing you couldn't stop Jesus' love. You couldn't keep him from loving because he's love. You couldn't. Can you imagine every day being totally right and treated like you're wrong? Every day. Do you think about this stuff? Jesus, every day is totally right. Perfect. Totally right. And treated like he's wrong every day. Everything he does gets scrutinized. Everything he does gets run through the filter of men's criticism. Every single thing. He casts out a devil and it has to be by a devil. He heals the sick and it has to be a devil. He speaks and it's blasphemy. Every day, perfect and mistreated. And you can't change the man. (laughs) Why? Because he's Jesus? Because he's love. See, if your answer is because he's Jesus, you'll never follow him. You'll just admire him. But he didn't just say, admire me. He said, follow me. And the things I do, you'll do. You know what I believe Jesus did? I believe he modeled a life that we were created for. I believe in the fallen state of humanity. He came and showed us what life looks like in the Father and what it looks like on the earth. And light shone in the darkness. A root shot up out of dry ground. Truth sprang forth from the earth. And he's King Jesus. And and he didn't just say, sing to me and pray to me when you're overwhelmed. He said, follow me. So how can I love my wife when she's in duress for eight years? What, do I let eight years change truth? Does time change truth? Is this still all about me and I can't take anymore? Or did I surrender for his glory, for his namesake, to walk out what he paid for? So all of a sudden, time's not even an issue, is it? All of a sudden, it's not about eight years, a day and a thousand and a day. Now you start to get that. All of a sudden, you realize heaven and earth passing away, but 
my word going to be there. Ain't that something? So it's just true. People in your life that, that, that are dear to you, here's what, here's what I've learned over the years. I've realized the people, a lot of times the people we say I love you to, we're really saying I need you. They're the significant people that make our life tick. And we're finding fulfillment through those people. So those people are making us, but they run the risk of totally breaking and shattering our lives. Because we're finding our identity through those things. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a relationship and not find your identity through the relationship, but have the relationship because you have a healthy identity already? I mean, what would it look like if two people came together because of the fullness and strength of God in their life instead of the need and the vacuum in the empty room? What would that look like? <laughs> Whoa. I know it wouldn't be he said, she said, and tit for tat, and I feel, well, I wouldn't if you didn't. Well, how come you? Well, see, because here's the thing. That little language I just gave, Jesus never taught us any of that language. You can't find it in his life. He never taught us. See, he's the teacher. He said, don't call anyone your teacher. You got one teacher. He's the Christ. And Jesus never taught us that language, but that's the language you grew up with, and that's the only language we've known. So where would we get it? Where would we learn it? Certainly not from him. So it shouldn't be normal to men once we get saved. Because now our eyes are shifted, and now we're going, oh, my goodness, wait a minute. This is the author and giver of life. This is Jesus. He came to give me life and life even more abundantly. I'm going with him. So we lay down the old and we put on the new. We die to everything that was so we can live to everything he is. Come on, this is Christianity. Let's make sure we're not praying a prayer to catch a blessing. Let's make sure we're not just praying a prayer so our destination changes when the bell rings. Let's make sure we're in this thing for his namesake. Let's make sure we're in this thing because we've been living for ourselves. And he said, look, if you're coming after me, you got to do something. It's critical. you got to deny yourself. Why is that important? Because you were never made for you. You were made for his image and his glory. You were made to manifest him and to walk in the light as he's in the light. You were never made for you. You were made for his great name. So Jesus never said pray a prayer to go to heaven. He said, if you come after me, you got to deny yourself. Because if you don't deny yourself, you'll never pick up your cross. And if you don't pick up your cross, you're not following him. You can sing to him, but you're not following him. And you'll get hurt by your wife when she's in that situation. You'll become a statistic and you'll justify it because you have a story. wonder if Jesus thought that way. I wonder if in the four years you scuffled and pushed and heard conviction and fought it off for the seven years you kind of ran. Who ran from God? Anybody run from God? You knew the call and you just didn't go? Yeah? wonder if the Lord would have grew weary in well-doing. wonder if the Lord would have an attitude. wonder if the Lord would say, you know what? Too late anyway, man. I don't even... See? sounds hilarious when you put the Lord in there because we don't know him that way. But the reason it doesn't sound hilarious to us is because we've only known ourselves that way. But we were born into Adam and you have to get born again. So I would love to see us just say, you know what? Everything I was before Christ can't be the truth because it was all hinged on self-centeredness. Even when you talk about living by faith versus feelings, people get a little tried with that. And they say, well, brother, let's not be in denial. We all have feelings. God gave us emotions. He did not give you the emotions you grew up with. Right. Don't you credit him for them things. <laughs> he did not give you the emotions you grew up Adam gave you them. They're all hinged on self-centeredness. You didn't have to train and study to be angry. It came by instinct. You didn't have to learn to be disappointed and discouraged and frustrated. Come on, you didn't have to stay up late to master pride 
or jealousy. It came with the package of man thinking for himself instead of the kingdom. And it's a perversion of our created value, our identity, and our purpose. It started in the garden. Adam, you don't ever eat that tree. It's the knowledge of good and evil. Don't ever eat the tree. The day you eat the tree, you die. It's the day you surely die. We all know he didn't fall over dead. We read the book. He did not drop dead. So something died, Pastor. He, he didn't drop dead. What died? Who he was created to be died. That image was lost. That connectivity. He got separated from God. You know what really happened? He got separated from love and from the source of love and became in need of love. And every man since that day, you and I alike, were born into the need of love. And we try to find it from each other. We try to fill that vacuum that was left through Adam's sin, but Jesus is amazing. He comes and becomes what we were so we could become what we were always created to be again. That's incredible. He wants to graft us back in. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how far off you were, he's hanging there saying, you just don't understand who you are, but I've known from the beginning. You don't see who you are, but I know who you are, and you're worth this right here. You're worth this, and I'm going to draw you back to the Father. Yeah? And if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Right? That's the cross. It's not, I hope you're happy now. Look what your sin did to me. It's, hey, guys, you're a whole lot more than you realize. I know what you'll look like if I get inside of you and you ever surrender. Come unto me if you're laboring and heavy laden and burdened. I'll give you rest. That's the cross. And on your darkest day, he didn't lose sight of who you were created to be. And that's why Jesus in Matthew said to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And guess what that's called? The body of, look it up. It literally means the embodiment of Christ. The embodiment, the expression, the person of Christ revealed. Where does it come from? Denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him. Look, I'm pumped about touching people, praying for the sick. I've done it my whole Christian life. It's a lot of fun. It just is. But the thing that burns in my heart is that we challenge this selfish thing, that we learn what it means to pick up our cross, and that we follow him so everything stays clean and runs well to the end. Yeah? Because you won't boast in testimonies. You won't even think about pride because you understand you can't heal anybody. It's him flowing through you. Yeah. You'll just, everything is clean when you have this thing. You're, 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 you'll weep before you get in pride. Yeah, isn't it amazing that you know and I know that we can't heal the sick and he says heal the sick? <laughs> you got to love that about God. <laughs> like, you know we can't heal the sick. And he says heal the sick. Command form, oh Lord. <laughs> he expects us to understand that he's in us. He's flowing through that. When we touch, he touches. We're one. Hallelujah. That's not blasphemy. That's not heresy. That's right. Christ in you, hope of glory. So, so, so healing's not a thing we do. It's an expression of what we've become through the finished work of Christ. He's brought us back to the Father. 
He didn't pay a price to just change my destination from hell to heaven. And I'm not saying those two aren't real. I, I, I am excited my name's in the book of life. I am excited I'm going to live forever. But what I understand is that he's redeeming what he always created. When he told Adam, the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die, that's when death was projected and brought on the scene if he eats the tree, which means he was never made to die in the first place. There was no death in him who's eternal. So what's Jesus, the redeemer? Everything that God intended was restored through the cross. So that's why we live forever. It's not some extra carrot God threw in the bag. It's not some extra motivation. He's just restoring what he always created man to be, to be one with him for all time. Jesus said eternal life. He didn't say it's a prayer you pray. He said eternal life is knowing him. Knowing him. You know what I found in 1 John 4? 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another, because everyone who loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Watch. He who loveth God, or loveth not, knoweth not. God. Think about this. Everyone who loveth is born of God and why? Because God is love. So we were created in God's image. So we were made to love and we were one with love. So the source of love, the source of life is our father. When Adam got cut off from him, everything changed. He said, if you loveth not in first John four, you knoweth not God. He didn't say you don't see. I know he doesn't say you're not born of God there. He doesn't mention born of God. He just says, if you loveth not, you knoweth not God. That's enough for me when I read it in context. What he's saying is that if you don't love, there's one reason. Not two. You don't know him like you could. Isn't that convicting? So the barometer and measuring stick of me knowing God is my love life. Not my worship life. Look, you can wave two flags and, and talk down your spouse. Oh, you didn't like that, did you? <laughs> oh, you, you can wave three flags probably and still have unforgiveness towards your supervisor. Come on. But when you understand love, those things die in your life. Because you see men for what they're created to be, not what they're producing or lacking of. And you, dis you discern no man anymore. You judge no man according to the flesh. You see man for what he's created for and you see man for his potential. That's why you don't give up on people. That's why you don't close the door on your wife after eight years. Now, if you've closed the door, I'm not condemning you. What I'm saying is there's a place for us to get revelation and stay there and live there. There's no condemnation in Christ. There's things we did in ignorance. There's things we did and had no clue. But there is some things we've done in selfishness and we need to look at that. And we need to say, you know what? That's unacceptable, and I'm going to go after that thing. I'm going to learn what it means to deny myself, pick up my cross. You know what pick up your cross means? It means don't let sin against you give the right to produce sin through you. In other words, don't let what you've been through justify not looking like Jesus. That's called carrying your cross. Could you imagine Jesus like halfway to Golgotha and being analytical? Huh. And they, they beat him. They done beat him. If you read your Bible, like they beat him beyond description. Like he's a mangled mess. It's not cool. Like he's not just a beard, piece of beard plucked out and a little blood running out the side of the eye and now they're going to attack him in the tree. Like if, if, if I'm reading my Bible clear in Isaiah, you couldn't even recognize him. He was disfigured. Marred more than anyone was ever marred by men. That's what scripture says.
You take the worst affliction man has put on man, and Jesus' affliction was worse. That means when you looked at him, you had no idea it was him. Why did it have to be so brutal? Because when sin got done with Adam in the garden, he didn't look anything like he was created to be. He totally lost his appearance. So Jesus came and surrendered his visage and his appearance to pay the price for you and I to get back on track with the Father and get the glory and image of God back on the inside of us again. Are you with me? Come on. That's more than like opening your car door, ladies. That's like more than just going out of your way. Like, Jesus is amazing. Could you picture Jesus heading to Golgotha, and all of a sudden, he just drops the cross? That's it. I'm done. I ain't taking another step. If they hit me with one more stick, I'm telling you. Look at me. Look what they have done to me. All I've done is come and tell truth. I've healed the sick. I've multiplied food. I've done everything you asked me. Look, if these people didn't see by now, they ain't going to see. And I ain't doing another step. Barabbas, are you kidding me? He kills a man. I raise the dead. He kills a man. He's causing conspiracy. I'm trying to bring peace. And they want to release him and crucify me? I don't think so. Not today. I know we giggle because we don't think Jesus could ever do that because he can't. But how many of us would a long way before that already been there? How many of us got hurt in ministry? How many of us still carry the pain of a church experience? How many of us only go where we go because we're hurt where we were? Help me with this, leaders. 90-some percent of our council is people struggling with people. Am I right? Not being mean, which reveals we don't understand the gospel clearly. And we're still fighting ourselves when we should be fighting the good fight of faith. And we haven't surrendered. And we still feel people owe us something and can fail us and break our heart. And we haven't been protected by the truth. Come on, I know that's straight. And it could come across a little intense. And you could hear me arrogant right now if you hear what I'm not saying. But I'm preaching it passionately because I don't understand those things anymore. That's why I'm confident. You're not going to slip in and break my heart. My heart's not for sale. I've been bought with a price. Like, I did not wake up today to be loved by you. I woke up to shine and to be like him. That empowers me to love you. That doesn't mean I need you. I'm not being like, I don't need you. Are you kidding? We need to lock arms and be an army that's rising up, church. In the power of his name and in the power of his spirit and in the power of love. I'm not saying I don't need you. What I'm saying is I don't use you or look to you for my identity. I found myself in him. And there ain't nobody going to ever touch that again. Like, I don't do anything to be noticed. I try to stay as low as I can. It's hard sometimes with this YouTube stuff. I have tried very hard to stay as low as I can. And just do what I do in my everyday life. And somehow it's gotten more than that. So that's a little challenge at times. But the truth is I live with me. You just see me on a weekend or YouTube. I live with me. And I know what makes me tick. 
And I know why I woke up this morning. And it wasn't to be appreciated by you. It was to be found right in the sight of God and walk in the light as he's in the light. And to model his image by the power of Holy Spirit to where nobody owes me a thing. See, when you get that in your heart, you'll be done being hurt and offended. You won't even have a grid for unforgiveness. You won't say, well, it takes time. You won't even know what it means to be there. We struggle with forgiveness because our grid is unforgiveness. And we say, give me my space. It takes time. Look, it hurt. Why is it so easy to hurt for ourselves and not hurt for others? If somebody's living out of conduct, why doesn't your heart burst forth in mercy towards them because they can't possibly see the truth if they're living that way? Why can't we just do this? Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. The last thing I need is a justification to not look like Jesus. It's the last thing I need. Well, brother, you don't know what I've been through. Have you run that by Jesus? Have you considered what he's been through? Have you considered what he's been through? Maybe you're finding your identity through what you've been through, not what he's been through. Maybe the real me is found in him. And maybe life's deceived me. And maybe the wisdom of the world and the way that seemeth right to man has eaten our lunch. And we're still living by what we were trained by instead of what he taught us. That's what it means to call old things old and dead and put on something new. Any man being Christ, he's a what? Does that just mean he's forgiven of the boo-boos and the bad things he did? Or does that mean he's a new creation? So don't you think his motives, his perspective, his reason for being and the why in his life should be changed? Maybe something makes him tick different than what used to make him tick. I bet that has to do with becoming new. If all things are new, I bet his motive's new. I bet the why behind his life is new. Now, I'm not blaming anybody here. I don't even know anybody here. I don't even know pastor. Uh, But a lot of us have heard a gospel that blesses me. And we've pursued a gospel that is there to help me be more blessed instead of transformed. And we gravitate to messages where God does something for us instead of makes us more like him. And some of us are so familiar with ourselves, we don't believe we can be more like him. And we're actually taught that we are the way we are and God endures us because he's loving. (laughs) The things I do, you'll do if you believe. Any man that abides in him will walk even as he walk. He's the firstborn among many brethren, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We have exceeding great and precious promises by which we partake of his divine nature. Do you need any more scripture? Because there's more. We're the body of, when they become one, Father, when they become one, as you and I are one, John 17, then the world will know. That's when the world's going to get it. When they become one, like we're one. Watch, I'm not against ministry. That has nothing to do with ministry. That has nothing to do with finding your identity through the church you go to or the faucet you serve in. That has to do with your heart motive. That has to do with the why behind your life. I've seen a lot of people serve double time and get severely hurt because they were serving to be acknowledged. 
Some people just want to get a word from the Lord for spiritual affirmation. The excellent way is love. Are you guys okay? So I'm all about this testimony thing and praying for people out there, but man, I want you healthy. I want you waking up just content, godliness with contentment, great gain, just content to be his child, washed in the blood, clean, accepted, forgiven, free, and actually believing it (laughs) to where when you go outside, you don't even have any issues, arterial motives. You just see clear. And you looked in the mirror and you actually saw yourself the way he does. And it's not vanity, it's healthy. And all of a sudden you love God because you see his first love with everything you are. And now you're free to love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Wonder if some of us are out there loving our neighbor as ourself. But we don't see ourselves clear. So we're nitpicky, fault-finding, judgmental. Problem-driven. Maybe that's how we see ourselves, and then that's all we see in others, so we're not the only egg in the basket. See, it's a law. You're going to love your neighbor as your... So the clearer I see me, the better look I have at you, the better view. Do you know that's why I'm here? Do you know that's why I flew here? Because I believe this. I could, I could be anywhere. I, the, the, I would love to tell you the Lord walked in my bedroom, manifested, and said, go to the city quake in Seattle. Yes, Lord. It just didn't happen that way. I'm sorry. Tom just asked if I'd do a city quake. I said, yeah, and they scheduled this one. And I'm here because I want to be because I appreciate city quake and the vision and everything. I'm not putting pressure on people. Listen, I'm not here for any other reason. Tom can tell you. I buy my plane ticket. I don't let him reimburse me. I don't ever take an honorarium from city quake because it's just getting rolling and I like to be able to help. You know what I did with my room today? I put it on my card, and you ain't doing nothing about it. Dude, oh! See, I did that publicly. See, now I'm holding you accountable to just receive. It's <laughs> the way I did it, man. I said, she said some of her clients. I said, well, listen, I, said, I got a good idea. I said, no, I can't have this guy double paying, though. I don't want that room double paid. I said, how about if we just put it on this card? She said, okay, we can do that. I'm slick, Tom. You see my hair color, buddy. (laughs) Watch this. So I fly out here to Seattle. It's not sacrifice. Look, it's not, I'm not doing ministry. I wish we'd get this stuff out of our head. This isn't some business deal. I'm here because I want to be. Because I believe what I'm saying and I want to call you into this truth that burns in my heart so that we all start walking like he walked, loving like he loved. That we stop growing weary and well-doing and have issues and need counseling all the time because he said and she said, well, I feel, well, how come they did Well, you just throw that all away and see it for what it is. And say, you know what? I'm really going to live for his namesake. I'm really going to wake up and go after this gospel and be led by the Spirit of God in my life. And I ain't looking back. I'm going forward. I don't have a yesterday. I have a present, and I have things to come, and I'm going after it. And I'm not going to let a little fox in this orchard. It ain't clipping off no fruit from this vine. You see what I'm saying? That's all we're talking about today is getting serious and getting real and being all in. 
It's not sacrifice to do what I said I did with Tom. Tom can tell you, he's being real about the deficit and the stuff. It costs a lot to pull these things off and the people they bring in and equipment and all that. When we first did the first Power and Loves, people were scared of Power and Love, weren't they? They didn't want to go out in the streets. They wouldn't come to that conference. Tom was thinking, we got to get some big name person in here to draw some people. And he'd get a big name person and the people didn't draw. Tom, I, I, he doesn't know I'm doing this. See, he'll he, he elbow me later. This is the heart of Tom. I found out a few power and loves in that he took 15 grand out of his personal savings to pull them off because he was so convicted it was God. Remember? And I found that out and I wasn't happy with you, was I? I almost went to get everything I ever preached and just got in unforgiveness and mad at you, didn't I? I was like, What? And you're giving me an honorarium? Oh, it freaked me out. I said, you're giving me an honorarium out of your savings. So I just stopped taking them, didn't I? And I stayed the same all these years. <laughs> I'm 26 years into this thing, man. Can you tell I'm gone? <laughs> Come on, man. This isn't a way of living. This isn't my living. This isn't like my job. It's my life, Christ in me. And I can cheer you on. Shoo. Jesus has a lot of better ways to provide than an honorarium. He's not going to pay it out of his bank account. Not if I'm on the roster. <laughs> it's not going to happen, friend. <laughs> Just being real with you guys. I mean, you don't usually talk about this personal stuff. Tom's a little nervous back there, I can tell. It's all right. That's good. It's good. I'm boasting on your heart, and it ain't you bearing witness of yourself. I don't know a lot of people that would dip in 15000 in their savings when they have a family and little kids to pull off a vision that they're convicted is God and trust that he'll make it happen. But that man did that. I love those stories. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you have the hunger to be here, and that you'll let me just talk. Well, you don't have much choice. You gave me a mic, and I'm talking, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just let me talk frank and pointed. Because my, 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 my Bible has never changed in 26 years. If I open it up to Matthew, it says if I'm going to follow him, i got to deny myself. Yeah. Come on. Watch this. Let me get real with that. Let me, get, let me just challenge you with that a little. Because people try to fight me on this stuff. They're like, well, brother, everybody's going to go through discouragement. I said, no, that's why you do, because you have a grid for it. Wow. And you're justifying it, and you're going to find yourself there someday. Because you have a platform for it. So the plane's going to land. Take the runway away and the plane can't land. And if the plane can't land, it's going to circle till it runs out of gas and crashes and never flies again. <laughs> this is not complicated. But I, 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 I was willing in the beginning to believe Holy Spirit for this stuff as he started showing me this. Because let me ask you a question. Is it possible to be truly, I mean, in a bona fide way, discouraged and not be selfish? Can you be discouraged without self-centeredness involved? You see? Can you be offended without self-centeredness being involved? Can you be in unforgiveness without self-centeredness being involved? Watch this. Oh, I'm going to get you. Can you sin without self-centeredness being involved? Because every sin flows out of selfishness. It's all the flesh. That's why the Bible says, watch what the Bible says. Not me. 
You can tag me heretic all you want, but the Bible says this. If I live in the Spirit, I will not, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I live in the Spirit. And aren't you called to live in the Spirit? So why do we boast in our ability to sin as if it's humility? Now, this is where everybody gets free. What's he saying? He's perfect. Now he's freaking me out. He's saying he never, ever sins. I'm saying I don't fight with the topic. I don't even think about sin. I don't glorify sin. I don't remember sin. I'm not marked by sin. I reckon myself dead indeed to sin and alive unto God in Christ Jesus. Watch. Trying not to sin is never my motivation. Enjoying being his son is what motivates me. Being righteous in his sight motivates me. Being accepted in the beloved is really motivating me. But I have never in 26 years woke up and tried not to sin. I woke up and enjoyed being his. And I found this in Romans that if I give myself to righteousness, it'll produce its fruit to holiness. And all of a sudden, my life is being conducted in a holy manner without me biting my lip trying to be holy. It's because of what I see. And then grace meets that and empowers me. And all of a sudden, I am what I am by the grace of God. And gets who gets all the glory? Because there's just no boasting in men. It's the truth that makes us free. Ain't that something? This is what I'm calling you to. Opening night, first session, 902, 12.02. <laughs> this is what I'm calling you to. Not just praying for the sick. Not just getting a word on the street. Living your life in Christ. Doing justice to your families and your children. Yeah? I know it'll sound like I'm boasting in me. I'm not. I'm just telling you I live this way. This little pink note, I, never, I just keep it. I have a whole bunch of them in my zipper bag, in my suitcase. It's from my wife. It's not a YouTube fan. It's not somebody that watched me all passionate for a sermon and went, Whoa, is that guy for real? Nope, this is a lady I've lived with for 39 years. Hope you have the best weekend ever. You're a true man of God. And I doubt God can find many men, if any, on this earth with your integrity, your character, and your heart. It's a pretty cool note to get 39 years in. Now, maybe she wrote that by faith. That's the kind of note you want from your wife. Why? Because she understands that in those years, it wasn't about what she wasn't doing and was doing. It was about who Christ called and created me to be and how I could only see her in that season. Might have been limited with my access at times. Might have been limited with my words. But never limited with your love. You never change your mind about people. Because in a moment, their eyes could open and they could see. You could have gave up on me and I went to work and came home changed. Because Jesus is Lord. You get it? But if I'm waking up every day and I'm needing her instead of loving her, then I've probably got a lot of deficits. Here's what I found in my Bible, Ephesians 3. This stuff's all in there. You noticed I quoted a bunch of them, right? Ephesians 3 says if... He's talking about knowing the love of God. And he's like making this, this scripture. Like he's talking about being strengthened in the inner man. And 
But he's talking about knowing the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So he's making it sound like it might be a notch more important than anything he's talked about so far. You get what I'm saying? To know the love of Christ. To know. It's an experiential word. It's a heart knowing. It could be epinosis. It, it might, I think that one's actually a different word. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Do you get it? To know the love of Christ which passes. I could say God really loves you. And I'm always right. But watch. It's a whole different thing when you're being loved by God. You get it? Okay. So to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge is to be filled with all the fullness of God. That's pretty, if you just look at that on the surface, it's like, okay, what's that look like? All the fullness of God. Well, it's not insecurity. It's not needing affirmation. But here's what it literally means. Because I studied it out. I looked it up. Here's what it means. It means fullness. The fullness of God. It means a house with no empty rooms. It means a town with no empty houses. It means a ship so full of cargo that there's not one space to place one more box. That's your life when you know the love of Christ. What's it mean? Completely and fully occupied. No vacancy. No room for anything else because you're fulfilled in that love. Do you see how pure that makes your motive? How clean that would make you? Do you see what that would do when you step into a relationship? Do you see what that would do in your marriage, in your home? wonder if you just take one thing out of tonight and you just go on like this challenge in your heart and say, every day I'm going to pursue Holy Spirit and pray to walk in this place where nobody owes me a thing. And I'm just going to walk in love because I owe no man anything but to love. I'm just going to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light and nobody owes me a thing. wonder if you bring that into your marriage. Do you know how much stuff happens in marriages? Just by a look, a lack of a look, a word, misinterpreting. Boy, they seem quiet today. I wonder if they're mad at me. I wonder, hey, honey, you love me? Yeah. Well, you didn't sound real convincing. Look at me. Tell me. Love you. And then you go to work and you're insecure. Little. Then you come home. There's tension already in the air. Silent treatments. Spouses are notorious for silent treatments. Body language. Wow. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. You okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. That's, that's, that's emotional control, manipulation. It's self-centered deluxe. And what you're saying is, I don't know Jesus like I sing because I'm proving it. Because if I don't love, I don't know him. I didn't say you didn't see your need for a savior, that your sins aren't forgiven. Didn't say your name's not written in the book of life. But the Bible says if you don't love, there's one reason not to. Or not one of two. You don't know him like you could. Jesus said this is eternal life. That you might know him. Are you with me tonight? I'm telling you, man. We'll be an army that can't stop if you start walking in love. You'll, you won't even know what it means to grow weary and well-doing. 
And here's the coolest thing. All the gifts that we pursue, that we teach in all these schools, it's kind of funny. I get a little, I don't know about you, David. You go to these schools. You teach in the supernatural schools. I know you do, right? I go too. Sometimes I get a little challenged. I feel like we're getting it backwards sometimes. So I teach relationship a lot. So, so here's what happened in my life. I was nine months saved in the Lord. Went to a school. They said, hey, you ought to listen to some of these classes. This will be good. And it was good. I'm not against the schools. I'm not saying anything negative. Sometimes I feel like we get it backwards. We're trying to get the knowledge and then apply it. We ought to get the relationship and everything we're teaching will flow out of knowing him. Here's what happened. I was nine months saved. I went to the school. The man in the school was teaching on the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he did a great job, very clear. And he broke it down. And, he, and then he gave an assignment to all the students. I was just sitting in as a visitor. I realized in the back that I didn't know how to teach what he taught. I, I didn't know. I was nine months saved. I'd never really picked up on, there's a list of gifts. I never really thought, I never thought about a teaching, but here's what I've realized. All the things that he taught flowed out of my life. I wasn't yet a year saved. And I had experienced everything on the list in my life, and I was nine months. And I didn't know how to teach it. I was three months saved, prayed for a man at work. He didn't have a disc in his back. And all of a sudden, it's there, and the fusion got canceled. I'm four months saved. I get a word of knowledge about a man needing a surgery, and God canceled the surgery. The next morning, he had no trace of what he had. Boom, boom. One thing after the other. I'm nine months saved. I'm getting invited to speak and minister in churches, and I'm nine months saved. They're calling me reverend, pastor, I'm nine months saved. And I realized the X in the way thing. Because Paul says at the end of chapter 12, so earnestly desire the best gifts. And it's almost like I see him pausing with his pen and listening to the Holy Ghost. And he says, yeah, you know what? He didn't erase it. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Yet, you know what? I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And he writes a whole chapter on love. And he ends the chapter saying, even though it's one big letter, we've made chapters, but he ends the chapter as we know it, in the greatest of these is, and he starts the next chapter, therefore pursue and desire. It's not cool to desire gifts and be offended. Because what will happen is you'll find your identity through the way God uses you and your gifting. And your gifting will become your identity. And that gets messy. Are you okay? I don't even know where to go from here. Other than let's just die and live. Let's just do a big corporate water baptism. I don't know about you, Pastor. I just met you. But I hope you do this. When I do a water baptism, I hold you under till every bubble stops and I wait 40 extra seconds. Because that way we got you. We got you. No matter what your motive is, we got you. And when I pull you up, I'm in faith. <gasps> New life. And, if, and if, if that don't come, <gasps> we know where you're at. It's covered. It's all good. In the nick of time, baby, you are in. Good pastor. Hold him under till the bubble stops. Why? Because the whole point is you ain't getting saved for a, for a blessing. You're getting saved for new life. And you won't walk in new life. See, you have to get a new wine skin for the new wine to contain. 
You can't put new wine into the old wineskin, the old mentality, the old motive, the old perspective, the old why behind your life. Come on. I am very concerned, not judging you, very concerned at large that we've become ministry crazed and blessing driven and we become Christians for what God can do for us. That's why there's a lot of discouraged Christians that go to church because life is speaking louder than truth, but truth makes you free. Are you all right? So how do you yield to a message like this? It's not a sloppy altar call. It's not everybody flopping over each other and crying and screaming, I'm on fire. I mean, if God does that, that's all cool. And I know you guys like that. (laughs) Am I really messing up up here? (laughs) Here's what it is. It's you being real, you being your own best accountability partner. And you going home and having fellowship and relationship with God and talking to him about these things. And getting real with yourself and getting real with your heart. Questioning, looking at selfishness in your life and saying, you know what? I'm not going to do some big introspective thing and come out of it all battered up. But, man, I don't want self-centeredness in my life. And I'm done blame shifting and he said, she said, and I wouldn't feel if you didn't. Well, why'd you start? No, I want to cover a multitude of sin with love. I want to live in mercy. I want to make peace because blessed are the... They are the, wow. So the son of God isn't a new language we're using in the church today. It's an expression that comes out of your life. Not a confession, an expression. Yeah? Y'all good? Yeah. So there was some, there was some testimonies and something came in my heart when he said about the night traumas. Uh, the, the night terrors and they played the music remember Jeremiah when you shared that so I want to do this quick before we close because we're going to pray for a couple things quick I'm, I'm kind of on time but I'm getting nervous I just don't want to blow it all up we got a long day tomorrow and stuff we're not praying for this okay it's relational relational is, is what Holy Spirit's taught me for a long time so if you have sleep disorder in your life is there anybody here that has trouble with sleeping and you take something, an aid to sleep? It's not, it's not wrong to do that. I don't be condemned. Anybody? Let me see your hands. Anybody else that has challenges, but you don't take an aid, but you have challenges anymore? Yeah, there's a bunch more hands. Okay. Here's what I want you to do tonight. Okay. And then, are you all going to be here for any other sessions? We like, we didn't run, David didn't run you off this morning. I heard it was really good. I hope I didn't run you off tonight. So if they don't come back, it's my fault, not yours. Cause I heard good reports about you. <laughs> I didn't get the lowdown yet on me. So, so if they don't come tomorrow, David, I'm sorry. <laughs> but here, but you're coming back probably, right? For something. Okay. So watch. So all those hands that raise, here's what I want you to do. Now I'm going to make a bold statement. I literally see 100% results when we do this. A hundred. It came on my heart a couple of weeks ago, and I hadn't done it for a while, but it came on my heart. 100% results. When he said about the night terrors, this thing came on my heart that we needed to do this. Here's what I want you to do because it's relational. We're not going to surround you and pray over you. We don't need to pray over you. Here's what I want you to do. Before you go to bed tonight, when you go to bed tonight, Now, I know things are prescribed and stuff. I never tell people to not take the medicines, but I looked into this. Sleep aid stuff doesn't have like some shocking thing if you don't take your, it just means you probably won't sleep in the natural. But it's not like some kind of effects and symptoms because you didn't take your pills. You know how there's side effects to certain things, right? If you just stop cold turkey. Sleep aid's not like that. 
Watch. Tonight when you go to bed, you're not condemned because you took something. You just take that thing and you say, you know what, Lord, I've been taking this. I'm not condemned by that. I've been trying to get help from it and stuff and trusting you. But you know what? Here's what I want you to do. Tonight. Just push that thing aside. If you're not taking anything, you don't have to do that. But I want you to talk to the Lord before you go to bed and commune with him and talk face to face. And just say something like this. You don't have to quote it. Just something like this. You know what? I'm not doing this tonight. It's just you and me and I'm trusting your love. And I know you have to love me or you'd have never sent your son. And I thank you that tonight I'm going to sleep because of you. And you just crawl in bed. I'm telling you, if you'll do that, oh, you're going to sleep tonight. It's going to be amazing. A couple weeks ago, I heard that in my heart and I did it. It was the first time I did it for a couple months, actually, because I do it only when I'm really here to do it. You could do it as a ministry thing and it would still, God would grace it. But when it comes on my heart like it did tonight, it's really exciting to me because I know the Lord said, hey, I want you to do this. Uh, depression, same way. Depression, the same way. Talk to the Lord in the morning when you wake up. Father, I just thank you that you love me and I know you love me or you'd have never sent your son. And you're the one that gives me a sound mind. You're the one that gives me wholeness. And I just thank you today is amazing because of you. And just keep it that simple. Not... Yeah? Pray, 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 pray. <laughs> Just that simple. The testimonies we had a couple weeks ago were phenomenal. This one lady, I said, girl, are you being straight, straight, straight up with me? She said, I'm being straight up with you. She never remembers in her life a night that she wasn't interrupted with terror and trauma in her sleep, in her life. And she was high 30s, pushing 40, in her life from a little girl. Wow. Two nights in a row while we were there, two nights in a row, because I was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, I flew home. Friday night, Saturday night, never woke up. Her husband lay beside her. He said, I've never seen her so peaceful. She just slept. All she did was slide in the bathroom and say, you know what? Tonight, it's just you and me, and I'm putting all my trust in you because I know this one thing. You love me, or you'd have never sent your son. You know what some people say? Well, if you love me, why am I going through this? So love's in question. We're using circumstances to define if God loves us or not instead of the cross. Jesus is the measuring stick of God's love. If you have a self-centered view... You're challenging God through life. You're defining God through life. God's defined through his son and his word. He's already revealed. He loves you. Yeah? And we might have some quandaries, and we might be debating over some answers to some tough questions, it seems, but I'll tell you one thing that needs settled. He loves me. Or he'd have never sent his son. Now, I don't know about you, Pastor, but I found this out. A whole lot of Christians have been Christians for a long time, and they've never acknowledged God's love on their own and initiated it and communed that truth back to the Lord and let their heart see it. Like, wow, Father, I thank you that you love me. They're hoping he does. They're looking at life to see if he might. But they've never just looked at his word and said, wow, thank you for loving me. Thank you for valuing me. Thank you for forgiving me. That's where your life changes. Because grace comes and meets your faith and makes that truth your reality. Are you with me? So that's the two things I wanted to do tonight.
just any kind of mental struggles that way, I want you to begin to address it, not just on a prayer chain or a prayer list, but in communion with God, believing that he loves you or he'd have never sent his son. Sleep disorder stuff tonight, please don't go to bed without communing with God and having some interface and connection. Take the veil off and be right there in front of him. He likes that. All right? All right? And if you believe you can't, that's not true. You can. I promise you. It's just you holding back you, feeling maybe you're not worthy or blah, 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 blah. You got to walk through that stuff. Anything that's keeping you from him has to be a lie. If he sent his son to draw us to him. Yeah? No one comes to the father except through me, Jesus said. So if you feel like you can't get to the father, there's something you're believing wrong or something you're not seeing clear. Because the pathway's been laid through Jesus Christ. You have total access to Jesus. Hebrews 4 teaches that. You have Jesus, the son of God. He's passed through the heavens. We can come boldly into the throne of grace and receive. Amen? Amen. Fair enough? Okay. And then talk to God and, and, and get in personal fellowship and relationship with the Lord based on the things you heard tonight. Just about your motive, your heart. I mean, if Holy Spirit can teach us every day to wake up to love and not just need love, but to be love, then I'm convinced we're going to fulfill what he paid for. I, I personally preach this a lot. It's my personal belief when I look at scripture. I don't believe the finished work of the cross is fulfilled when a man prays a prayer to go to heaven. I believe the finished work of Christ is fulfilled when his nature's changed back to love. Then there's a paid in full. That's the glory of his inheritance, not yours, his inheritance in the saints. That's what he receives through the deposit. That's his dividends. So the investment of the blood of Jesus pays back the nature of God in men. The glory of his inheritance, not yours, his. You get it? The hope of his calling. The working of his mighty power. He's the Lord. Okay, how about if we pray for the sick real quick? Can we do that? Yeah. Will you work with me? We, can we do that in like a short amount of time here? Tom said around 9. What would you say, Tom? 940. Oh, okay. I thought you said 40. Okay. We're good. We'll be done soon here. We're almost done. Would you like to pray for the sick? Would that be fun? You guys are going to be praying for the sick in your life more and more anyway, especially because this weekend, right? All these testimonies. So I'm going to get you guys involved. We're going to have a fun time. Did you do like a prophetic illustration today? Did you break them out and have them a little exercise? Tom did. Okay. I heard somebody say about when they're, I, they're, they're just fun. That's just fun. It's getting you guys activated. So that's all we're going to do right now. So here's the deal. When you pray for the sick, when you pray for the sick, it's imperative. Let's just throw the argument away. Let's just believe that God heals, that he wants to heal, that he sent his son to pay the price for the redemption of men's lives. Okay. And all these questions, see, we ask so many questions sometimes that it clouds the things in our heart that we know. I don't have the answer to all these questions. How, you know, I pray for people and I haven't seen them change. My mother, I, I, we buried my mama. I did, I did her funeral. Doesn't change the gospel. That doesn't change the gospel. I'm not going to let my mom's story write the Bible. And I'm not hurt, and I'm not offended. I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful for eternal life, and mom's doing well. Can I hug her today? Can I talk to her? No. Is there a physical loss that's real? Absolutely, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. I'm just not living from a sentimental place where I'm crushed and trashed because a loved one died. 
when I believe the gospel. Come on, I'm not being insensitive. I'm being real. Do I still miss her? Of course I miss her. Would it be great to have her here? That's a no-brainer. We prayed and she passed. I'm not going to create theology because of her story and our experience. I already have it clearly written through Jesus' life. And he said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. So I'm going to keep contending, keep believing, and keep going after God. And I'm not turning tail and running. Isn't it cool that four months after she passed, a mother that had the same symptoms and the same sickness as mine, I watched her get totally healed, get out of a wheelchair and walk and no symptoms. And her 14-year-old daughter cried and cried and cried and said, I thought she was going to die and I'd have no one because my daddy's already dead. So my mama passed. I won't change my mind and still keep preaching the same gospel. And four months later, I watch a lady with the same situation as my mama get up and be healed. How fun is that? That sure beats being bruised and hurt and troubled and full of questions. Are you with me? Yeah. So you got to believe it's God wants to heal, that he loves people and that he wants to heal. And that he loves people in spite of people. Forgive them, Father, they know what they do goes a long way with me. I can see somebody acting out. I can pray for somebody in the street and they're cursing up a storm. That does not mean a thing. That ain't stopping a thing. In fact, I got myself so geared now, they're they're probably a greater target than if they were acting holy. (laughs) I'm just telling you. (laughs) But here's what we're going to do. When you pray for the sick, there's two things you'll run into. Lots of different sickness, but two situations. One will be they won't know if they're healed because it might be something you heard them talk about. They might be saying, who's ever been in a grocery line and you heard somebody saying, boy, I'm sure glad I don't have a migraine today. I thought today was the day. Do you ever hear something like that or at work or something? And they don't have it, but they've been getting them regular and they thought they should have it by now and they're dreading that any moment this thing's going to hit them. You ever hear anybody talking like that? As soon as you hear them talking like that, just tap them. Just say, hey, couldn't help but what you heard what you said to so-and-so. Listen, listen, I heard what you said. Can I just pray for you? I say this to them a lot. I say, and please, don't say no. Please. It just moved my heart. Look, if I didn't think something could change, I wouldn't even offer. That would just set me up to be a fool. Why, why, why would I ask you to pray if I didn't think it could change? And that usually people are like, yeah. And you just pray for them. You can't tell. You don't know. You just believe in your heart that thing ain't coming back. You've got to step out. We've got to sow seeds if something's going to grow. If we lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Well, let's get our hands on them. Randy Clark said something a long time ago. It's never left me. I've remembered it all these years. It was simple and powerful. He was standing up and he was just Randy's humble self. And he just said, listen, all these questions and I don't have all the answers and we're still, but here's what I know. This is what I do know. The more people we lay hands on, the more testimonies we'll see. So let's just keep praying for the sick. See, Christians tend to want to argue over the theology concerning healing. And Randy's saying, let's just pray for the sick and let God be God. Let's just get our hands on a whole pile of people and we're going to see things. And I was like, I get that. Going to do that. Been doing that ever since. You get it? So here's the deal. You pray for somebody that they don't know if they're healed. You just believe it. You encourage them. And here's what they will see. And they might even have their eye on you like, what are you up to? They might not even be fully in. And sometimes until you walk, you might notice this this week, until you walk away with no string attached and you ain't selling nothing, do they actually relax and that thing can hit their heart. You get what I'm saying? Who's ever prayed for somebody and they're kind of like, well, okay. 
<laughs> you just don't get moved by none of that. So if they do have a symptom that they can check, then it's obvious you can ask them what, you know, some people say, what, what's the level of this pain, et cetera, and then you inventory and see how they're doing. So hey, thanks for listening to our podcast today. If this message has impacted your life, we invite you to check out cityquake.org. Just so you know, our policy here at CityQuake is to offer messages like this one for no charge. Why is that? We want to bless as many people as possible. Would you consider sewing into CityQuake today to help us get these messages out to even more folks out there? Also on the CityQuake website, you'll be able to find links to testimonies of what God has done out there in the streets and also find out our CityQuake schedule. That's cityquake.org. Until next time.